I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you are here today. And I believe that God's word, God's anointed word will provide the spiritual food that you need in order not to just survive, but to thrive and do and be all that God has called you to do and be praise God. Hallelujah. Now today we're going to begin in the gospel of Luke chapter 19. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. We're going to honor the Lord with our finances. And I want you to see just a couple of verses in the parable of the talents. This is found again in Luke chapter 19 verse 12. Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Now we know that one man, he took the mina that was given to him, and he increased it tenfold. We know that there was another man. He took the mina that was given to him and he increased it five times over. But we also know that there was one individual who took his and he did not do anything with it. And the reason he did not do anything with his was because of verse 21, where he says to the master, when the master came back, he said, I feared you. And he said he had kept it in a handkerchief and he said, I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Well, see the, the master, when he returned, this is what he said to him. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. Wow. Praise the Lord. So we know that fear paralyzed this one man where he did not take his investment money and do anything with it. He looked at all of the bad news and he listened to all of the bad reports and it froze him up. He had the paralysis that was induced by fear And he just took the talent, wrapped it up in a handkerchief or in a napkin, and didn't do anything. I mean, even the Lord said, hey, you could have put it in the bank so that when I came back, at least I would have interest that had been gained on that money. So there's no interest. There's nothing. uh, It's a complete, it's just a complete wash in the sense that there's no profit there at all. Now, remember again the commandment of the Lord, and please take this to heart today. Verse 13, so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas and said to them, do business till I come. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do business till I come. Lord, we give you praise today. Now, listen to this phrase, do business until I come in some various translations. NIV, put this money to work. He said, until I come back. New Living Translation. Invest this for me while I am gone. The ESV. Engage in business 
until I come. Look, don't be like the one gentleman who had the one mina and got frozen with fear because of all the reports that the world is coming to an end. So there's no use to do anything with money. Everything's going to collapse and fail. And we're all going to be running from the Antichrist. Watch out for the spirit of fear that would try to get you to shut down. New American Standard Bible do business with this until I come back. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All of them are saying, all of these various translations of the New Covenant are saying, take this money and get after it. Invest, do business, and the Lord expects for there to be increase. I find it fascinating. Now, in light of this verse that tells us how to behave and act in the last days, I want you to understand that what we're facing, while we have gone further into the end time agenda, the end time calendar, you have to understand that while there is daylight, we're supposed to work. We are supposed to be about biblical kingdom principles. Praise God. And anytime there is a great shaking, anytime there's something maybe that would go global, like a, you know, the, you know, the coronavirus. But look, we've had global things before. We've had World War One, World War Two. We've had major events. We've had 9-11. We had the 2008 recession. And there's been recessions before that. So oftentimes you have these great shakings. And every time there's a great shaking, while we do need to be mindful that the Lord is going to return, that we need to uh, have a heart that's after the blessed hope. Excuse me, the blessed hope, which is the Lord's reappearing when we go to meet him in the clouds of the air and he takes us home. We need to be mindful that while we will go to be with the Lord, that until he comes, regardless of what's going on, we need to stay busy doing all that we can and not shut down, not shut down and expect everything to fall apart. Because anytime something dramatic happens that surprises or shocks the world. Here come the books. Here come the prophets, not, not the true prophets, but here comes prophetic voices. And that's stuff coming out of their soul that this is it. Get ready. It's all going to be over with in a few weeks and a few months. We're all doomed. And that, that is why that person that had the one minor froze up and he got what he got in the fear and he didn't do anything. And Jesus said, do business until I come back. Praise God. How about this? Listen to this. Let me pull this up for you. This was stated in the year 1958. The date is March 9, 1958. That's when the healing revival was really cooking. Uh, the healing revival, actually, let me be more technical. The healing revival was really cooking in the early 50s. 1958 is already starting to wind down, okay? Uh, but still at that point, the prophet, there were, and there were many prophets, but the prophet that stood at the forefront in the 50s of the prophetic ministry was a man named William Branham. He had a remarkable prophetic gift, a remarkable prophetic anointing, particularly that would flow with the gift of the word of knowledge and also gifts of healings. But that doesn't mean that he had correct doctrine. And in some of his doctrinal areas, he was really off. In some areas, he was really accurate, such as preaching divine healing, uh, the atonement of the blood of Jesus, and things like that. But in other areas that 
see, teaching was not his specialty. Teaching was not his anointing. Uh, it was mainly just preach and operate in the sign wonder gifts that God gave him. So oftentimes when he would try to move over into a different type of ministry such as teaching that was not his gifting or his anointing, and he would uh, sometimes say things that were really off. Here's one. March 9, 1958. Listen to this. What's the meaning of the Sputnik in the skies? Oh, remember when Russia launched the Sputnik satellite and it stunned the Western world and Americans were terrified. They were literally terrified by that act and were caught off guard by it. And here's the prophet. What's the meaning of these of the Sputnik in the skies? What's the matter? What is this modern Babylon that we're trying to build a machine to take us to the moon? You'll never make it. He said, we'll never make it to the moon. All this space stuff going on, it's just a bunch of waste of time. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to come out of it. We're never going to get to the moon. How many of you know he was wrong? And oftentimes, news reports, especially shocking events, global events, uh, sometimes people don't know what to do, and fears everywhere. But you have to always prophesy and speak, not under the influence of news or the voices that are out there, but you must speak beyond the things that are floating around there and speak the word of the Lord. And I'm certainly not critiquing Brother William Branham because he was a tremendous man of God, but I am just saying that he was wrong on that. And the church, in some ways, had got caught up in fear when they heard about Sputnik, and it just it, it shocked them greatly. Now, Here's a quote from William Branham on September 9, 1962. He says, oh, now they're all wanting to make a whole lot of these astronaut cans so they can get into it. And the atomic age comes. They're going to bust up the world, you know, blow the world up. They just pull this and all go over on the moon, taking a trip to the moon. He said, and so they'll just make them another economy on the moon, like they're going to build all these moon bases and stuff. This is what he said. They ain't going to get there. You know, he was a country preacher. And he said, they ain't going to get there. Wow. Well, how many of you know they did get there? On July 16, 1969, Apollo 11 launched from Kennedy Space Center in Florida. They traveled to the moon and arrived in lunar orbit on July 19. Neil Armstrong was the first astronaut to step on the moon. He was soon joined by Buzz Aldrin. The two astronauts spent 21 hours on the moon and brought back, they brought back with them 46 pounds of moon rocks, praise to God. And uh, one of them I've actually touched the, uh, with my finger. Of course, many have touched it. So many people touched it there at the Smithsonian that it's wore flat. But you can touch the moon rock, one of them at least, praise God. And nobody was uh, glowing green or anything like that. Cool stuff. But my friends, the truth is, is that you can have these epic world moments that startle the whole planet, that startle people. But it doesn't mean we've run out of time. It doesn't mean that it's all going to end. Listen, I'm telling you, stay on target, stay on task. What is that task, Pastor Stephen? Do business till I come. Until Jesus comes back, keep your hands on the plow and stay busy. Praise the Lord. How many of you <laughs> remember the book called 88 Reasons the Rapture Will Be in 19? 88. Now, I know that for some of you, I'm speaking uh, beyond 
uh, or, or I'm speaking back into a time where some of you maybe weren't even saved during that time or weren't filled with the Spirit, and you weren't in that loop. And really, uh, at that time, I wasn't in that loop because I wasn't yet baptized in the Holy Spirit, so I wasn't really aware of kind of, I mean, I, I was still in college. I didn't know what was really going on in the world, but the book written by Edgar Wisenant was called 88 Reasons the Rapture Will Be in 1988, and it sold 4.5 million copies. And the church was, I mean, the church was wired. I mean, this is it, you know, because he's pulling from you know, uh, misunderstanding of, you know, how long is a generation? You know, he thought a generation was 40 years, and you had the reestablishment of the uh, the modern-day nation of Israel that happened in 1948, and he said, well, 40 years later, it's going to be 1988, and he gave all of these reasons, 88 reasons why the Lord has to come back, and the rapture has to take place in 1988. How many of you know it didn't happen? Oh, but people were ready to shut down. People were ready just to say, hey, why even try? He's coming back this year. Who, who even, you know, who even cares about anything? Just, you know, we're all leaving. Have you noticed that you're still here? Oh, I still believe in the blessed hope. But while I believe in that and have a longing for it in my heart, the, the reappearing of the Lord Jesus and us going to meet him in the air in the clouds, First Thessalonians chapter 4, until that time comes, we've got to do business until he comes back. We have to stay on it. Praise God, because uh, the book was wrong. Oh, by the way, that didn't stop him. He said he had miscalculated, and he wrote another book saying that the correct date will be in 1989. Well, it didn't sell as many copies, and when 1989 came and went, he wrote another book and set the date for 1993. Didn't happen. Oh, not, not, to, not to give it up and throw in the towel. He wrote another book after that called 1994 is the year that the Lord will come back. But you know what? He eventually ran out of time. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, and it, it reminds me of how Lindsay, maybe you heard of his book also called The Late Great Planet Earth. And he jumped on that same bandwagon. And he also said that the Lord would be back to rapture the church no later than December 31st, 1988. It has to happen. So, you know, get that all your focus. We're getting out of here. You know, get ready to wrap it up. We're leaving. Mm -mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. But he was wrong. Praise the Lord. Oh, not, not to just throw in the towel either. Uh, he really moved into a mode where every three years he would come out with a new book stating that the rapture must take place within the next five-year time frame. And whenever that five-year time frame ended, he would just write another book <laughs> and would go another five years and so forth and so forth. And many, many good people have, they've gotten caught up with end-time events, and they actually forgot the mandate, which was do business till I come. Even some good ministers, very solid uh, you know, you can get a little caught up in these things. I'll never forget the time I was watching Gloria Copeland and she's a, she's an excellent Bible teacher. She also has a very beautiful healing anointing and her and Kenneth Copeland had, uh, Charles Caps on. Now Charles Caps is an excellent teacher on the subject of words and faith in God and things like that. Well, Charles Caps had began in the latter part of his life to teach on eschatology in time biblical events, and what he viewed the sequence of those events would be. Uh, 
And boy, as the week went on and the teaching, you know, was rolling and Charles Capps was teaching, Gloria Copeland said, I'd be shocked if the Lord would to come back any later than a time frame beyond 10 years. It's got, it's, in other words, she's saying it's got to be now within 10 years. We're so close. It has to be within 10 years. Uh, those programs I watched were about 20 years ago. <laughs> maybe, maybe 15 years ago, but probably closer to 20. <laughs> wonderful teacher. She's a wonderful lady. But, but see, again, while we love studying end time events and we have these, uh, you know, world-shaking type things like a coronavirus, a global pandemic. Look, we've had global stuff before, World War II. And trust me, I, I've read the prophecies that were being prophesied during World War II. Oh, wow. I, I mean, there was hardly a prophecy that was uttered that did not have to do with the rise of communism and red China and, uh, you know, be on your alert and where are the last days? It'll all be over within three years. I mean, wow. I mean, it, it was amped to the max. And trust me, with Hitler in power, you know, he's the Antichrist. Uh, wow. I mean, it was looking like, hey, this is it. Just, you know, shut everything down. Who even needs to evangelize or preach? It's, it's just all over. How many of you know that was 70 years ago? And the clock keeps on rolling. I'm not saying to belittle the scriptures of Christ's glorious return. That is going to happen. All I'm saying is keep your eyes on the word, the mandate, keep going with all you've got until he gets back. And that's what we're doing here. We're not shutting down. We're moving forward. We're expanding and increasing on all fronts to preach the gospel to the world. And then the end shall come when we complete the Great Commission. And that end is the end of this, this dispensation. And then we can go to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. But we shall leave, my brothers and sisters, having accomplished the assignment. Mm -mm -mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wake up. And get back into the game, hallelujah, the game of faith. Don't be like that old, that old man that said, I feared you. I got into fear and I didn't do anything with my money. You know, the economy is going to shut down. Everything's going to fall apart. Everything's falling apart. Why invest anything? Why even show up to go to work? So that you don't go hungry. That's why. Praise the Lord. So that you can keep the preaching of the gospel going around the world. And you can have a reward when you go home to be with the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Be stirred. Be stirred not to get lethargic. Be stirred to not stop tithing or, stop, uh, or to stop giving. Be stirred to continue on and to press full speed ahead. I'm here to tell you. That a star shines its most brilliant light the darker it is in space. And the darker it may get in the earth, the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon you, thus causing you to be illuminated even in the midst of gross darkness. You're not going backwards. You're not going to be uh, uh, reduced to nothing. You're going to shine. This is your time to increase. This is your time to prosper. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So rise up and believe God's financial covenant to be strong in your life because you're a tither, you're a giver, and you love the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this is your time for mighty, mighty increase. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Do business till I come. As of this moment, as I stand here before you right now, he has not yet come back. 
What are we to do, Pastor Stephen? Shut it all down? No. Keep on doing business. Hallelujah. Expand your business. Grow your business. Give your all at your job. Give your all at your work as you're working as unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. And let the Lord lift you up and bless you. Praise God. Now, having said these brief things and shared this scripture, let us now with the spirit of faith, not a fear, but with the spirit of faith, let us bring the tithe and the offering into the storehouse of God. Because when there's plenty in the work of God, in the house of God, there's going to be plenty in your life. Praise the Lord. Don't ever doubt that. Praise God. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28654. Now, if you prefer to bring the tithe and offering in online, you can do so at our ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. You can visit that website right there on the home page. There's a link called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can go there anytime, day or night, and bring it in to the storehouse. Praise God. Hallelujah. I see that your provision is secure. I see that your destiny is secure. You know what? Should the Lord come right in the middle of my preaching, I'd be so excited. I'd be so happy to leave. Hallelujah. But until he does that, until we go up in the air to meet him, praise God, we've got a lot to do. So this is your time of increase. This is your time of expansion. This is your time of health and healing and blessing. This is the time where the quickening power of the Holy Spirit is flowing in to you and your best days are yet ahead of you praise God Heavenly Father I pray for your people that as they do business until you return that as they stay on task with their hands on the plow till you come I thank you that they're going to increase and prosper hallelujah not just a little bit but a whole lot a whole lot and father those who are faithful those who are faithful are going to be established to be faithful over more. And that, that enlargement is coming rapidly fast. It's coming quick, 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 quick. Father, we give you the praise. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we all agree and say amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's take our Bibles today and go to the book of Jeremiah chapter 2. And we're going to drop down today to verse 13. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would quicken the word, that it be a living word. This is not a history lesson. Thank you, Father. This is a, this is a spiritual feeding frenzy. Hallelujah. So, Father, as we jump into your word, let your word supply that nourishment, that strength. Let it come into us. Just as the children of Israel ate the manna in the wilderness, we receive your word as our life, as our food. And we thank you, Father God, that we live by faith. We walk by faith. So this is faith food feeding us, nourishing us, sustaining us, and empowering us to go to the fullness of the destiny and the calling that you have for each individual believer, each individual child of God, and also for us collectively as the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We all agree and say amen. Praise the Lord today. 
Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn or cut out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. My wife and I were having lunch in a certain restaurant yesterday, nice food, nice atmosphere. And the owner came over and we started talking. And because we know him, he's a Christian man, spirit filled businessman with uh, various other branches that he has branched out and established in various other towns and so forth of his wonderful restaurant. And we were talking about how things are right now. And he shared with me that he was talking with the local owner of the liquor store. And the owner of the liquor store said, our sales each month for the last three months. Now, we, we know that would be impacted by the COVID-19. He said, our sales at the liquor store have increased 46%. Mm. And that was told to the restaurant owner. Well, the restaurant owner told that to me and my wife. We were familiar with those type of statistics, not just uh, locally, but also uh, within, our, within our state. And I know it's, it's very similar across the nation. The sales in alcohol are skyrocketing because people right now are in fear. And they're looking to drink from something that will alleviate or numb their fears. Others right now are depressed. They are going into a dark, gloomy depression because of all of the news of hopelessness, hopelessness, and ongoing crisis and ongoing epidemics and uh, ongoing this or that. And, you know, things still shut down, things not back, open back up, loss of various freedoms and so forth. So they also are contributing to those liquor sales because they are depressed and they are looking for something to uh, just, you know, make it all go away. They turn to the bottle to drink. Others are even more unstable. They're on the verge of even being suicidal. And so they go to the liquor store and they don't want just, you know, a beer or wine. They want some hard liquor because they believe they have befallen upon hard times and they're all drinking. They're all drinking whatever their tonic is. They're all drinking. And the truth be told, there's even some sipping saints that have found their way to the liquor store and have also contributed to the increase of sales there as they feel they are also under various pressures and some of them justify a little scotch on the rocks to calm their jittery nerves before they go to sleep at night. So instead of going to the fountain of living water, they have turned to the polluted, muddy fountains of the world that not only cannot quench uh, the thirst they have, but also it's worse than that. It kills their brain cells. It, uh, it does horrible things to your body, but yet they, they're drinking. They're drinking from these polluted waters from broken cisterns that truly can't hold no water. And they wake up the next morning and guess what? All the problems are still there. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
I want to share some secrets today of how to step into dreams, visions, and stronger anointing than you have ever known before. And I must be honest, it's all related to the source from which you drink. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. My friends, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord and drink from Him, and He will satisfy you in a way that only He can do. And you'll be so happy when others are so sad. You'll be so stable when others are so unstable and disillusioned, they're about ready to go off the edge. And sometimes I'm saying go off the edge, I'm talking literally. Mm-mm. And you can be there with the voice of courage and with the voice of of salvation and with the voice of reason because many people in a sense they've lost their minds they can't even reason anymore praise the Lord but you can come in there and be the voice of the Lord that they need to hear remember the star shines brightest when it's the darkest at night praise God hallelujah so we're going to be drinking from the fountain of living waters let's talk more about that Joel chapter 2 verse 28 And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. A pouring out. A pouring out in a way similar that you could pour a liquid. Wow. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit falling upon the people of God. Being poured upon them. Wow. Very similar to a liquid being poured. And it says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now, let's be honest about this. This was not normal because really the only people that would be prophesying would be the exclusive group of prophets. Why? They're the only ones that had that anointing to prophesy. You couldn't prophesy under the old covenant Without an anointing. Unless you just make something up and fake it and fabricate it. Then of course that's a whole lie. Nothing ever comes to pass. Now you you dug a a deeper hole than what you had before. That you have to try to climb out of. But the real anointing. The prophesy came upon the genuine prophets. But here it says. Your sons and your daughters. Shall prophesy. Well that's different. Yes it is. Why? Because that's the Holy Spirit coming Upon people with the prophetic anointing doesn't mean that you're a prophet, but it does mean that you can taste and move into that prophetic flow. And yes, you absolutely can prophesy your old men shall dream dreams. Well, we've had people in the Bible that were able to dream dreams by again, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But that was often as well exclusive. I mean, we can understand Joseph having a dream. He was a dreamer of dreams. He was anointed to have dreams. He had a destiny. Yes. But when the anointing comes and the spirit is poured and you start drinking of the Holy Spirit, well, even old men, how about that? Old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. See, again, the visions, the ability to see into the realm of the Holy Spirit and to see things by the anointing of the Holy Spirit with not just your natural eyes at times through an open vision, but also even spiritual visions. That was something, again, that was mainly reserved only for the prophets, but when that anointing would begin to flow, that anointing touches many, many people. And it says also that young men shall see 
visions. Praise the Lord. And also on my men servants and on my maidservants, not, not just to men, but also upon the women, I will pour out as if he were a liquid. I will pour out my spirit in those days. We have now had that special time, the day of Pentecost in the early church, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and there was the birthing of the church, and there was the empowerment of the church as well. And we see that in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. One time we were in Jerusalem in the upper room. This is one of the tours that me and Pastor Kelly led to Israel. And we had a tour guide who was Jewish. He lived in Israel. His whole family lived on a, uh, you know, one of those Jewish farms. And, where, you know, like a community where they all, you know, grew crops and stuff like that. And so he was a part of that community. But he also worked as a tour guide. And he was very, very good. He was very, very well, uh, well known and very well loved by the Israeli people. But see, he had done Aliyah from America. He had, he had uh, moved from Louisiana where when he was a young boy, he was a Christian. And my understanding, I'd been told he was even a Pentecostal Christian. But for whatever reason, he got away from all of that and went into Judaism. And, you know, he's kind of like back under the law again. And now he's living in Israel. And he's a tour guide. And he's very Jewish. He's very Jewish. So, praise the Lord. We're all, we're all together in the upper room. And up until this point, He's been very reserved, very, uh, very Jewish, not wanting to even have any, how can we say, hints that he formerly lived in America or that he was, you know, formerly acquainted or belonged to a church or anything like that. Praise God. And so we're in the upper room. And when I was talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. I said, I want to pray for everybody that would like to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And there were quite a few that wanted to receive. And when I began to pray for them, the Holy Spirit fell. He fell upon those people and the tour guide, his eyes. Now, I, I couldn't see him because I'm ministering to the people. This is what they told me later. They said his eyes got so big, he was shocked, he was stunned, because it was like a flashback of, the, of the, what he had seen when he was a child. And while he's watching this, the Islamic man who oversees the upper room, he rushed into that place and said, stop it, stop it, because, uh, you know, when the Spirit of God was moving real strong, it stirred him up. And I never even knew that was going on. They blocked all of that for me. They got, they kind of like covered for me so I could keep on ministering because people are getting filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues. They're having the time of their life. But all this is going on in the background. He came, that, that Muslim man came rushing in there and said, shut it all down. Stop this, stop this. And 
It was my Jewish tour guide that jumped up when he saw the power of God. He jumped up, got in front of that Muslim man and said, no, you let him continue. Because uh, he was fascinated by it, by the power of God that was flowing. Mm, 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 mm. The Holy Spirit poured out, poured out. And when he, he's being poured out, he's being poured into something. And that's you, praise God. You are the vessel that he is being poured by Jesus into. Mm -mm. And if you refuse to drink from these broken cisterns, and you drink from him, and you get filled up, then you begin to get into that flow of dreams, visions, hallelujah, praise God, prophesying. That's gifts of the Spirit. Yes. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. And power and the anointing. Stronger than what you've experienced before. Mm -mm. Are you ready for that? Praise God. The, the level of you moving in dreams, visions, and the stronger anointing is directly influenced by the level and the degree to which you drink. Mm -mm. Let that soak in. Praise God. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, they leave the upper room and they go out into the open area, okay, where all the people are gathered. Now, remember, this is one of the feast days. There was the feast week, okay? So you had three primary feasts that all the males of Israel, who were 30 years and over, were required to come to Jerusalem, regardless of where you lived. You were required to come to Jerusalem and present yourself before the Lord, because under the Old Covenant, that's where the presence of the Lord was kept, there in the Holy of Holies, shut up, and you had to go up unto, uh, you know, it was an ascension, you would go up to Jerusalem three times a year, and the Jewish historian Josephus said that there would be so many Jewish pilgrims coming to Jerusalem from not only all over the land of Israel, but through all of the other countries into which they had been dispersed into, they would come up to Jerusalem. And he said, he said, sometimes during the feast days, you know, Passover, Pentecost, or, or, or Feast of Tabernacles, he said there could be literally one million pilgrims, Jewish people showing up to keep the feast. One million. Oh, by the way, the rabbis taught there, there were always two miracles that were associated with these great feast days. One would be when all the men would gather together in the outer court, and they would be there on those, uh, those uh, uh, st stones, that, that large paved area. They could be standing shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, you know, just stacked, one person in front, one person behind. And the whole area could be packed full. And you can't even move. There's so many men there, you can't even move. But the moment it came for them to lay and prostrate out on the ground and lay themselves before the Lord, supernaturally, somehow they could all do that, and there would be enough room. See, you could pack them all in there, and there's no room even to move. But yet, when it came time to bow and the, and the prostrate before the Lord, you could lay completely flat, stretch yourself out, 
and, uh, you know, uh, you know, take up all that space and still somehow everybody still has enough room to do that and never made any sense. You, you could never figure it out, but it worked every single time during every major feast when all those men would come and, and, and their families. Fascinating. Another unusual miracle that the rabbis taught that would happen during these uh, great feast days is that although you could have an influx of over a million people, sometimes even more than that, yet somehow everybody always could find a place to stay. You know, you bring your family and bring your kids and stuff like that. Go up, go up to uh, Israel, uh, go to Jerusalem and stay for two weeks. And with all these people coming in, somehow there was still room for everybody to stay. But then when everybody would leave and go back to their respected towns, villages, and things like that, you, you know, you would look at the number of hotels there in Jerusalem and the number of places you could stay in. It never made sense. We don't have enough room for all these people. But yet somehow that was another miracle where God would just supernaturally cause uh, people to have a place to stay. Can't explain that one either, except that it was a miracle of God. Many miracles always associate it where God is at, of course, and because he's living with, uh, within you. Now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can experience God's miracle power as well. And so we know that all of those, all of those Jewish pilgrims that would come, they heard those that had been in the upper room when they came out, they heard them speaking in all of these tongues. And so many of them heard them speaking in their native tongue. Verse 8, and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. Ah, the critics are actually a little bit close. You know, they're wrong, but they are picking up on something. It seems like these people have been drinking something. They had. They had gotten drunk with the Holy Spirit. A better way to say it would be that they had been filled woo, with the Holy Spirit. See, the critics, the ones mocking, said they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. In other words, look, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Nobody's drunk here like you're thinking. Okay, this is actually what's going on. Verse 17. Or verse 16, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out. See, pour out just like a liquid that you can drink, mm -mm, soaking up, drinking up the spirit, spending time with the Lord, mm -mm, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Wow. Wow. I'll, I'll never forget it. Let's go a few decades back in my young life. And I was in my, I was in my early twenties and my pastor, a Pentecostal pastor had invited me to go with him to a gathering of the city's various pastors from various denominations. So while he was talking and fellowshipping with all of these pastors, 
There were men and women of God there from every denomination. You had Pentecostals, and even within a Pentecostal stream, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, you got assemblies of God, you have Church of God, he was, you know, Church of God in Christ, and uh, on and on it went, and then you had, over here, you had Presbyterian, Episcopalian, of course, you got the Baptist, and uh, uh, you have uh, all these various men and women, you, uh, you had Catholics there. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, I, uh, I got to know uh, the Catholic priest because he was very friendly. Uh, he was actually, the, to me, the friendliest one out of all the ones that were, you know, kind of like there visiting. Not, not friendlier to my pastor. He was very, very nice. Wonderful man of God. But the Catholic priest was very kind and um, talked to me and, uh, you know, uh, and not just talking, but had an interest in me, at, you know, my walk with the Lord and things like that. And it astonished me. And, uh, and I, I remember talking with my pastor later, and I said, Pastor, I said, uh, now I know that Catholics uh, love the Lord, and there are those who are saved and born again. But I said, uh, you know, he, he, to me, he seemed like he was spirit-filled. And my pastor said, he is. He talks in tongues. I said, woo! I said, wow! I, I said, that, that. I said, I didn't know such things like that took place. He goes, oh, Brother Brooks, didn't you read in the Bible where Jesus said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, Baptist flesh, uh, Episcopalian flesh, Presbyterian flesh, Catholic flesh. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, I, I was new in Pentecost at that time. I had uh, uh, been unawares of, you know, the, the Jesus movement in the 1970s. I, I mean, after all, I was, you know, you're talking to a guy that was at that time only six or seven years old. How could I know about it? Really? You know, um, I was living in the backwoods of Mississippi. We didn't know hardly about anything. <laughs> we had a black and white color, excuse me, not color. We had a black and white television and we only watched that usually once a week. Mm -mm. We, we didn't have paved roads I mean, as long as I lived in Mississippi growing up, uh, even when we moved away to advanced state of Texas, uh, when I left Mississippi in junior high school, uh, uh, all the area I lived there, Mississippi, all the roads were still dirt, dirt gravel roads. We didn't even have paved roads. I came back, you know, some years later, found that they eventually paved them. That's nice. Praise God. But, uh, you know, so a lot of the moving of the Spirit, we missed it. And we, we didn't know about it in our church or anything like that because our church didn't believe in modern-day miracles or, you know, certainly the pouring out of the Spirit. We didn't believe any of that stuff existed today. But the Spirit of God is still moving. Jesus is pouring out the Spirit. See, you don't want to just say, I had one drink back in the 70s or I had a touch back in the 90s. You know, I got fuel back in the 90s. No, you want to keep on drinking. You want to keep on drinking right now. God's got new levels for you to go into, new levels of the glory, new levels of the anointing, and you need to keep on drinking until you just get totally just filled up. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Filled up, filled up. And don't be surprised that when you get filled up uh, and you hit that overflow level. Now, here, let, before I get into that, let me say this. Some of you have, you've been taking some good drinks. Let me take a drink right here just for a moment. You've been taking some good drinks, but you have never kept on drinking into that place where you're so saturated that you get into the overflow and it starts pouring out of you. When I say it, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and his anointing, his gifts. And you, you may start prophesying. And if there's nobody around, you may start prophesying to yourself or you may get an utterance in a tongue and then you interpret your own tongue. 
But one of the key indicators also of what will begin to happen when you're filled up can be found in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and we see it in verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. In other words, when you get filled up, psalms hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord, it will begin to bubble up and flow out of you, as well as spiritual gifts. But it's all related. The pouring out is all related to the filling up. And the deeper you drink, mm, the more will flow out. And I want to encourage you just to drink, drink, drink deeply of the Holy Spirit. And speaking of that, I would like to read a verse to you concerning that. And that would be from, I want to read it from the Weymouth translation. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, a thing in which excess is so easy. Have you noticed that? Uh, that's why I don't drink alcohol. Um, uh, now, I've tasted alcohol before, and I have to admit there are some types of alcohol that, that taste really good. But I'm going to wait till I get to the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb until I drink uh, anything that's got the bubbly. Hallelujah. The closest I come right now is Martinelli's sparkling apple cider. Okay, that's about as daring as I get. I don't get over into anything that has alcohol in it because the only influence that I want to be under is the influence of God's Word as I am influenced by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I don't want anything else that would cause me to be under a wrong influence. Praise God. But Weymouth, it says, again, do not be drunk with wine in which excess is so easy, but drink deeply of God's Spirit. Drink deeply of God's Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and offer praise in your hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. So when you get filled up, songs can often come out. And I'm not talking about songs that, you know, that you you're, just grab a, a hymn book or something like that and you start singing. I'm talking about songs that just bubble up. Maybe a song that the Holy Spirit gives you could be a real simple song, but it just starts coming up and you find yourself singing it. And that's the Holy Spirit helping you to praise and worship the Lord. Praise God. And there can be times you can minister to others even in a psalm or a hymn. And it doesn't mean that you have to be an operatic singer, you know, who, uh, you know, on weekends sings at the Metropolitan Opera. No, it just means that you have a heart that's so full of the Holy Spirit that that overflow is coming out and you have a, have a song for somebody that can lift, lift somebody up, a word for somebody that can lift somebody up. And it's literally you are pouring in the healing oil of God in the people. Mm -mm -mm. And when you're done, it may only be three minutes. It may be 10 minutes. When you're done, you know, they're back up and they're back in it. When I, I'm talking about back in the walk of faith, they're back in faith. They're, they're no longer in doubt. They're no longer in a, a type of despair or, you know, woe is me. You know, the world's falling apart. They're back up in it. Praise God. Why? Because you have the overflow. And, you know, these are things that we we don't want to just examine and see. We want to we want to live it. Praise God. That's the beauty of it. And I I have found that it is true that if you will drink from the fountain of living water, the Lord Jesus, and he fills you with his spirit and you enjoy the Lord's presence and you're being filled with the spirit, I have found that it will take away unhealthy cravings. 
And you may be in a place where you think, Pastor Stephen, I've got some cravings that are so strong, and uh, they're not towards things that are good, but they are so strong, I don't see how anything could be stronger than that to, to uh, subdue that. I just, I just want to say from an open heart that if you will drink from the Lord Jesus and his fountain and hang out with him and just keep hanging out with him and hanging out with him, you will get so full of God that those things that once would usurp your own will or your own desire to serve God, those things will get so diminished and so weak, and they can get to a place where it's like they're vaporized. Now, it doesn't mean that you've reached perfection and temptation can never touch you. It just means that you are in a place where you're stabilized in the Lord. You're walking with God. You're in Him. There's a shield up. There's a place of safety and protection. And as long as you keep on drinking, long as you keep on drinking, you'll just keep right on walking blessed, protected, secure. Oh, hallelujah. Enjoying the blessings of the Lord, enjoying life. Hallelujah. And there will come a time when the Lord just comes and takes us home to be with him forever. Praise God. So I want to encourage you today, just continue to get filled up and to keep on drinking just as much as you can. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And as you do that, and uh, let me get a little bit old-fashioned. Can I go old school with you for a moment? There is something that's lost to some in the modern church who have a good grasp on the grace, on the grace message, but don't understand the flip side of that. Let me give you one example. The gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, uh, in the Greek uh, is called charis, and that denotes that the gifts are by grace. And so you have a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and then you get over into the power gifts of special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. Then you have, you know, prophecy, discerning the spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Okay, so they're grace gifts, and they're given by the Spirit as the Spirit wills. Well, Pastor Stephen, if they're grace gifts, and it's up to the Lord, I don't really have much to do about, you know, those gifts coming towards me or flowing through me. But see, you've got to balance that properly, because at the same time, Paul said, earnestly desire, and that word implies in the Greek a real heated desire, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, desire to prophesy. And so you just can't say, well, it's God's grace, whatever he wants, he'll give to me. No, you also have to desire it. You have, you have to have that pull, that, uh, that hunger for the things of God. So let's go old school some so you can understand the new and the old, both sides of the coin. By the way, there's more than two sides of a coin. You had what they would call heads or tails, but you also have, you know, the, the round part on the outside, okay? You, you have this side, that side, but you also have the, the outer rim of it. So you, you really want to have a good understanding of what it is that you're embracing, Praise the Lord. So there is a part of what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. And if you drink and you really go after that fountain and you're really pursuing the Lord, uh, trust me, the, the supernatural is going to begin to flow. Pastor Stephen, I have been in the church for 39 years and I've never had a vision. Well, maybe you should get back over to the fountain a little bit more. <laughs> Praise God. Now, you can't, you can't force a vision or something like that to happen. But all I'm saying is that when you walk with the Lord, when you walk with the Lord, I mean, I'm just saying that Jesus said, hey, you know, 
the young men, you're going to have visions. Old men, you're going to have dreams. Pastor Stephen, I've never had a dream. Well, you know, get filled with the Spirit. Keep on drinking and watch what will begin to happen. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Some of you have been ankle deep in these things of God, but you need to make the push and go out deeper. Don't just put it all on the Lord because, you know, he's, he's wanting to bless. He's wanting to bless. But show the Lord your hunger. Show the Lord your pursuit and drink. And when you have those times, and I understand you can't, you can't always make a strong push where you just sit down at the spiritual bar and just drink and drink and drink. You know, you have, you have work, you have, you have family, many of you have children. But I'm saying if you're hungry, you'll find a way. Because it says Enoch, he had sons and daughters, and he's married. But it said he still walked with God, and he got so close to the Lord that the Lord used him as an end-time witness and took him off the earth while he was still alive. He literally skipped over the grave. He's still in heaven right now. He is a type of the end-time church. There will be a company of believers that are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord when he comes back. And we're going to go meet him in the air. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That could be us. Hallelujah. If it is, that's wonderful. If it's not, we'll keep on going. Just all out, you know, and stay focused on our assignment. Either way, we're going to end up being with the Lord in heaven. It's going to be wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. But I would say pursue the Lord and drink, drink, drink. Praise the Lord. Just keep on drinking, and you'll begin to move into that supernatural. And the gift of prophecy will begin to flow out of you. Now, it could be the simple gift of prophecy, which in its basic form is for three things. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification. You build up somebody. You get the word of the Lord. It doesn't have to have, uh, you know, a lot of depth. It may not even have uh, words of knowledge connected to it. But it is a word that will edify them and build them up. And it will exhort them. It will greatly encourage them. And remember, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. And it will also comfort them. And by the time you're done giving that word, that simple prophecy, you know, somebody says, praise the Lord. I have hope again. Praise God. I'm going to jump back into the word, get back in faith on what God promised me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. So all I'm saying is while many are turning to the wrong source to drink from, and they're drinking because they have problems, and they don't know how to solve them. And there is no solution in the earth to their problems, except for Jesus Christ and His Word and His means of salvation through His mighty name and through His shed blood. Praise God. And when you turn to the fount of eternal life, and you drink from Him, He starts filling you up with the Holy Spirit. And you'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll start speaking in other tongues. And don't stop. Pentecost is not the apex. You, you can see that in the, in the seven feasts of Israel. Pentecost is not the final feast. Pentecost, I, I, I mean, when you even look at the children of Israel, they received Pentecost while they were still in the wilderness. Woo! 
Woo! So you need Pentecost or the, or the power or the infilling of the Spirit to go into the promised land, to cross over the Jordan, and possess what rightfully belongs to you. So Pentecost is not the final conclusion. Pastor Stephen, we talk in tongues. We're on the top of the mountain. No, no. The, the, the Pentecost is to get you on further up to where God wants you to go. Hallelujah. Your ultimate goal, your ultimate destination is Mount Zion. Hallelujah. The mature believer that is fashioned into the image of Christ Jesus himself. That when people see you, they see Christ shining through you. So don't stop. Don't, don't even stop with tongues. Don't stop at Pentecost. Keep on drinking. Keep on drinking because God's got more for you. And you need to be in the overflow. As a minister, you don't technically and ideally, you don't want to have to minister when you're not full. You want to minister out of the overflow. Mm-hmm. And God gives you those times, those opportunities to get filled up. And you have those glorious moments with the Lord like the three apostles did. Peter, James, and John, when Jesus took them up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw it. They were up on the mountain, a glorious experience. They saw Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus, and they came down off that mountain. And down at the base of the mountain, the first thing they ran into after that wonderful experience, the first thing they ran into was a demon-possessed boy, and the other disciples could not Cast the demon out. See, you have the high water marks. You have the deep drinking moments of getting filled with the Spirit, of encountering the Lord in His mighty power. Why? So you can come off the mountain and help those who don't necessarily yet know how to get up on the mountain, who don't uh, uh, know how to use their faith, who don't know how to engage the Lord in the deeper walk. So you have to be able to minister to them because they're waiting for you down at the base of the mountain with all of their uh, perplexing situations and problems that they don't know what to do with. That's why Jesus stepped into that situation and he began to go to work and got the boy delivered. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God has mountaintop experiences for you. Keep on drinking. Keep on drinking. Hallelujah. And when you feel maybe it's time to get back up on the mountain, better start drinking. Don't get down in that valley and run out of, run out of oil. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Stay thirsty. It's one of the most important things. The, the element of thirst is a lot stronger than hunger. Hunger can be very irritating. And there is a point you get out there and you burned up your reserves. You need to eat. Okay. But thirst can hit stronger and faster. And thirst can just, uh, whoo, it'll knock the steam out of you. <laughs> and you can go, you can go for quite a ways without food, but without liquid, boy, you begin to go down quick. Your spiritual life is the same way. If you want to be vibrant and fresh, drink of God's spirit drink until you're just full and saturated you might get a little bit silly you might get a little bit happy and people should say you you uh, you shouldn't be so happy don't you know what's going on out there yeah I know what's going on but I'm I'm just like I'm flying above it and it's a true story I walked into my work one day years back before the Lord ever set me into the ministry office that he had for me as a prophet and a teacher. And he called me into the ministry to travel and, and the minister of the word and the prophesy the people and to build his people up. But it's a true story. When I was working at my job, my last job, I walked into work one day. 
I had been in prayer for two hours before I, and I don't say that to try to say, you know, I, I do a lot of praying or something like that. I'm just saying I had spent my time with the Lord and having come out of that time, not really thinking about anything. Just, I was just full, full of God. I walked into the store, the double doors open and I walked in smiling, happy, ready to give, you know, I was, I was going to go work for 10 hours. I was ready to give it my best and I was, you know, ready and I was just all happy. And when I walked in, the Lord is my witness, the management staff and all of the workers up front, they stopped and they looked at me and they, they were almost speechless. And the assistant manager said, Stephen, no, 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 you're not supposed to come in like that, just happy and all joyful. You're supposed to be miserable and deflated and, and just unhappy like the rest of us are. <laughs> and that's literally what he said, because the Holy Spirit had so filled me up, not just on me, but in me, in me, in me. Hallelujah. There's an anointing upon but there is also an anointing within and it's the anointing within that sustains the great anointing that God wants to place upon you. And that of course, of course would be uh, the teachings found by the apostle John in first John chapter two, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus for the anointing within and upon. But my friends today, I'm talking about the anointing within. If you get it within, if you get filled up within, trust me, something's going to come upon you that's upon. Praise God. Mm -mm. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people for that fresh anointing to drink and that they'll just drink and drink and drink that if others refuse to go to other cisterns, they'll say, I'm not taking that option. Such options are not even on the, uh, the table for me. I'm drinking only from the fountain of living water. Hallelujah. I'm going to spend time with the Lord, devouring his word, spending time in prayer. Oh God, fill them. Hallelujah. And give them a thirst. Even as David said, draw me Lord and I will come. So Lord, draw them with that hunger and that thirst that they need that thirst they need. Now we thank you. We thank you, Father God, for frequent infillings and for staying thirsty and drinking, drinking, drinking. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you're watching today and you have never drunk from the fountain of living waters, you tried other things, drugs, immoral sex, uh, thrills of this and that you've gone here you've done that you travel the world you've seen it all and you're still just as empty as you can be Jesus Christ will give you the happiness that you're looking for he's what you're looking for and he made you and designed you Mm -mm. And he will fill you if you'll receive him right now. If you would like to get your life right with God, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I choose you today. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Write my name. In your book of life, Jesus, I commit my life to you. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And he has heard that prayer. And you belong to him now. If you're a Christian and you love Jesus, but you feel, you feel that 
you have become empty. Some of you, you've drifted from the Lord. Come back to him right now. Pray this after me. Say, Jesus, fill me back up. I'm coming back to you, the fountain of living waters. And Lord, I'm not going to let these things distract me anymore that are in your eyes broken cisterns. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me now and forgiving me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All of those things, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, they were written for our admonition, for our teaching, our instruction, so that we could see what they went through and we could learn from that, and that we could never stray from the Lord. Hallelujah. I see you joined to the Lord very, very close, very, very close. Nothing will shake you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take Holy Communion together today. I want to invite you to grab some unleavened bread. I use these little wafers. You can use that or whatever you would have available, a little cracker or something, and grab some grape juice. I don't use alcohol or wine. I I just like to use grape juice, praise God. And by the way, if you study uh, the things of the early wines of the New Testament, you'll find out that they did contain some alcohol because they were fermented, but it was a paste that was reconstituted with water, and the ratio, according to most theologians who've studied it in depth, and I've done much study on it, it it was diluted by a ratio of 50 to 1. So you could get drunk on it if you sipped on it and drank on it for about four to six hours. Eventually, (laughs) you would get there. But the wine in the New Testament was dramatically different than the wine that you find on the shelves in grocery stores or in liquor stores. It was nothing like that. It was completely different. So when you hear about wine in the New Testament, you have to understand that from a biblical perspective. It was very, very different. Praise God. Father, thank you for the bread, the juice. We set this apart now as holy. And as we receive this now, this is now because of this sanctifying prayer. This is now the body and the blood of our Savior. Father, thank you for the body of Jesus as we receive the Lord's body. Let us be mindful to drink deeply of your spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And we thank you that as we do, praise is going to burst out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love for the lost will be strong. Love for the church, for our family and our loved ones will be authentic. Thank you, O God. We will not be distracted by all the broken cisterns out there that would present themselves as solutions when they're nothing but total lies. We thank you, Father God. We choose to drink from your Son and his life-giving Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let us now receive the Lord's body. For those that would be sipping saints, and you're going you're gonna to keep drinking that poison, no matter how many scriptures I give you. Let me ask you this question. And just think about this, because there are some people that, that are Christians, they're going to keep on drinking no matter how many, even from the New Testament, no matter, no matter how many scriptures you give them. Let me ask you a question. Why is it whenever throughout church history there has been a valid, genuine, 
Holy Spirit outpouring, where the Spirit of God is moving very strong, not just in the church, but begins to move out and touch communities. Why do people stop going to the liquor stores if it's really of God? Study the Hebrides revival. Study the revival that happened in Sweden about 120 years ago. That when the Lord moved so strong, the Holy Spirit was poured out so strong in those areas that all the liquor stores had to shut down because nobody was drinking that junk anymore. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Hey, it's between you and the Holy Spirit. But if you really want to know, he'll talk to you about it. I mean, it's there in the word, but you have some people, they're not going to, they're still not going to receive it. But God loves those people. God loves you. And if that's you, just let the Lord, let the Lord speak to you. Mm -mm. He'll make it quite clear to you. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You can hear from the Lord. Some of you don't want to hear from the Lord because you've got a lot of it in your refrigerator and you've got a lot of it out in your garage. If you ever stop to think about what your kids think about that? And if they grow up to be an alcoholic because they're following your influence, well, Pastor Stephen, I can handle it. That doesn't mean they can. Mm-mm. There are some because of their genetic makeup and, and, and their, uh, the, the way that they are. The moment they touch it, they'll, they'll, never, they'll never stop. They, can, they can't put the brakes on. There's something about d- different people with their, their compositions. It's very, very difficult for some to pull out. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Holy Spirit is teaching right now because he is the indwelling teacher. Remember, the anointing that can come upon that potential of mighty anointing of the spirit must have the supportive strength of the spirit within your inner man. And much of that is based upon your obedience to the holy word of God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is teaching right now. May we receive in humility and in truth. Father, we receive the blood of Jesus and his beautiful cleansing power through his blood. In his name we pray. Amen. Let us receive the blood of Christ. I was writing in one of my books one night, writing along. When I say writing, typing actually on a typewriter, not a typewriter, laptop. It was about midnight, dark outside. Uh, a wonderful couple, husband and wife, had allowed me to use their cabin. They were on vacation somewhere. They, t- they said, our, ca- our home cabin is available if you want to use it to write. Ooh, I said, that would be wonderful. You're up on a remote mountain. There's, there's nobody out there, you know, closest neighbor, a long ways away. I said, it'll be totally quiet. I could just write day and night. It was midnight, and I was writing. I was writing about the dangers of alcohol. And... How it has destroyed so many lives and is a very deceptive enemy. As I'm writing about the dangers of alcohol, at the midnight hour, there is a literal knock on the door. I thought, well, who in the world could that be? You know, you have to be kind of like, you know, on guard a little bit. You don't want to open that door and just, you know, let a bear in or something like that or some, you know, you know crazy person, some fugitive running away. So I kind of opened the door real slow. There was a young man standing there who appeared to be, you know, like high school, like junior, senior in high school. He said, I'm sorry to knock on your door so late. He said, me and my friend, we've had an accident, and we need some help. Our, our vehicle has gone over the cliff. I said, okay. I said, I will call the sheriff. I said, it's very cold. Wait over here. I'll call the sheriff. I'll get 
my truck started and I'll drive you down. And I drove him down. His other friend was st standing down there by the cliff area. Now, this young man had walked like 100 yards through a very dense forest area that was very steep from where the accident happened to get up to the house. He saw the light on in the window, literally. And so he had gone up to this house where I was at. And so I called the sheriff, knowing that we're on the backside of a remote mountain. And it took about 35 minutes for the sheriff to get there. And so I drove this young man down to where the accident was at. There was his friend standing there. And the vehicle had gone off a cliff with both of them in it. And the only thing that kept them from plunging into the very depths of this deep ravine was the back axle had caught a stump. And that stump had lodged that vehicle and kept it from plunging to the very depth of that ravine. It was deep. It had killed them, without a doubt. And the first thing the sheriff said when he showed up, and I had already suspected it, he, he told me in confidence, he said, he said, Mr. Brooks, he said, they've obviously been drinking. And they had. They had. That, that liquor almost killed those two young men. And I, I, I ministered to them, put both of them in my truck, and I talked to them and ministered to them until the sheriff showed up. Because it was very cold outside. And, of course, very dark. And they appreciated my hospitality and my care for their lives. Would you believe a couple of years go by? And a neighbor uh, who lived higher up on the mountain, uh, he graduates from high school and he goes off to college. I won't say the name of the college, a large state college with thousands of students. He goes off to college and he sits down one day after he's, you know, like a like a junior senior there in college. And he meets these uh, uh, he meets actually one of these guys and he starts talking. They start having a conversation. And this one guy says, you know, uh, I think I think we might have lived in uh, kind of in the same county or something like that. And they said, yes, yeah, sure enough, we live in the same county. And, he, and one guy says, where do you live at? Oh, I live up on the top of that mountain. Uh, he goes, you do? He says, wow, man. He said, I had a harrowing experience, harrowing experience one night when our vehicle almost went off the ledge. And this man uh, named, named Stephen Brooks, a man of God, came out and helped us. And uh, he goes, I know him. <laughs> he's my neighbor. He's my friend. He's come up and he's played basketball with me and my brothers and stuff like that. And the guy goes, no way. He's a small world. Ah! But if it were not for the angel of the Lord who had protected those young men, the alcohol would have killed them. They would have plunged to their doom. And instead of a testimony, it had been two funerals. Don't touch it. Don't touch the devil's poison. You have to be sharp in this last day hour so that the anointing, not the liquor, the anointing can flow through you. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody's saying, Pastor Stephen, you're really stepping on my toes today. If they're sticking out there, uh, yes, that, me and the Holy Spirit, we're going to jump all over them. If that's you, praise God. Because I want you to get to heaven. I want you to fulfill your calling. And I want those that look at you to look at you as a leader, not as a fake and a fraud who says, follow me, but don't do as I say. Uh, or, or do as I say, but don't do as I actually do and live. No, no, no. You have to be the real thing or you're a fake. And trust me, the young people, they see that as a major turnoff. They'll major turnoff, and you'll confuse them. And you'll, you'll, you'll damage your witness, and you'll, you'll, you'll muddy the waters of what Christ wants to see. And remember, for many people, you're the only gospel they're ever going to read. You're the, on, you're the only epistle they're ever going to be able to see. They don't know nothing about Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They don't know nothing about Romans or the book of Ephesians, but they'll read you. 
Praise God. And last thing they need to see you is drunk. Hallelujah. By, by, by the things of the world. Be filled of the Spirit of God, and you can pour in. Pour in, pour in, pour in. Hallelujah. With joy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Touch your people. Touch your people. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Now, for some of you, this is a call to come higher. This is a call to come higher. This is a call to come higher. Father, we thank you. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Well, I'm not going to do nothing, Pastor Stephen, unless God talks to me. Okay, he's certainly able to do that. Because I had the same conversation many, many years back. You know, uh, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, you know, Paul told Timothy to drink a little, uh, a little wine for his stomach's sake. And you get a lot of Christians that use that verse, yet they don't have a stomach problem. And, you know, they, they take all these verses out of context, also not understanding the type of wine that was. But, you know, the Lord just, you know, was sharing with me that, you know, you've got to be filled with the Spirit. And you can't let these other influences wreck the beautiful thing that that he wants to do. Praise God. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody, you're on CBD. You're, you're on you're on all this Kemp and marijuana, and you're saying this and that and the other. It calms you and soothes you. I'm not saying that certain plants and certain drugs certainly can't do that, but they all can have some very dangerous side effects. Why don't you just try drinking from the Lord Jesus and getting filled up with his spirit? Why don't you try that? Just give it a try. Hallelujah. And I have great confidence you'll find yourself cleaning out uh, all these areas of all this junk and all of this stuff that makes you stink like weed and, uh, you know, keeps you high and uh, you can't even talk straight, can't even think straight. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, you sound like some kind of old time Pentecostal preacher. I, I'm here to tell you that healing and health, not just healing, but health are in the new covenant. And I don't take any prescription med- medications because I don't need any. And I'm not condemning anybody that does. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my friends, there's a walk with the Lord. He'll take care of you. And you don't need to be sitting on top of a mountain somewhere in Colorado smoking weed just because it's legal. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, you want to go up on top of the mountain, Colorado, and spend time with God and drink of the Spirit. Mm-mm-mm. More power to you. Take some people up there with you and get high on God. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then come down off the mountain and minister to others who are needy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, let strength anoint him. Watch this. Father, let deliverance come to your people right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is saying, I'm your all in all. I'm your great physician. If your nerves are shot, the Lord is saying, I'm your great physician. Try me. Use your faith. Try me. See what I can do. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. He's got the original owner's manual. He's the one that made you. Don't you think he's the one that can fix you? Praise the Lord. Glory to God.
Glory to God. God's working. God's working right now. Some things are leaving some people. Some unclean spirits are leaving some people right now. Leaving. They're leaving. They're leaving. Glory. Glory. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. If somebody's getting filled with the Holy Spirit right now, just begin to speak in tongues. Let it come out. Come on, speak it all out. Speak it out. Those of you that are watching, speak in tongues with me. Be filled with the Spirit and speak in other tongues. Now lift your hands. The Scripture says, lift your hands without wrath or doubting. Lift your hands and speak in the Spirit. And receive the refreshing of the Lord. Praise God. Now, what we've done is we primed the pump. So I leave this with you, these divine instructions from the word with you. The pump has been primed. The oil is flowing. You're being filled. So just go ahead and pray in the spirit. Spend some time with the Lord and get into that place of overflow and then maintain that. Praise God. Thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay blessed and stay filled up. Bye-bye.